I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. From Toronto, Ontario, my name is Jordan Ferguson, and joining me on the other line, lounging from the Satellite Branch in Hamilton, Ontario, your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Yo, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) Y'all, Caitlin's got like a migraine-level headache today, so this is going to be a much lower... Much lower energy level from your girl than you might usually get. I, I don't know. I took an approximate and a Tylenol 3, oh, and I'm feeling pretty good now. Delightful. And I had a whole cup of tea, so... Oh, God. She's, all, you know. <laughs> she's amped up on Earl Grey, y'all. You know how that goes. I'm all jacked up on my Friends, this is episode 199, as are they all, <laughs> until such time as we can properly commemorate episode 200. Every episode is episode 199. If you would like to listen to any of our other episode 199s or any of our other 199 episodes, look us up wherever you get your audio content. Just search Geek Down Podcast and then hit follow or subscribe. And from henceforth, you don't have to do anything else because a man who is happy to rejoin your social circle. Dante Frostilicus Third, Geek Down Internet Elf. Ooh, he's just going to slide those episodes directly into your device. You don't have to do anything else. You just be like, mm, new episode of the Geek Down brought yeah. for he's, you. He's, he's fitting you in. He's making room for you. The Chauncey social circle is wide. It is bumping. <laughs> open for all listeners of the geek down podcast if you would like to submit a formal application to be a member of chauncey's social circle it sounds like an extra patreon tier when we fire the patreon back up <laughs> chauncey's social Amazing. circle um be the new misha special <laughs> anyway you can reach us at twitter at geek down pod primarily where we hang out where jordan does the most <laughs> engagement with people and where you will find uh the forthcoming video on all the records Jordan bought during quarantine. It's more than Jordan thought it was. So many. (laughs) More than even even Jordan thought it was. Um, Or go to Facebook. But my God, why would you? But it's there. If that's all you're doing. Um, It's there. It's okay. I mean, if you want to, like, check out what your old relatives are doing or what they're angry about or not angry about. They're going to be angry about something. That's where you can find that. Uh, if you want to support this endeavor financially, don't. Save your money. Save your coins. Save that money or give it to an organization that seeks to dismantle the systemic racism that is destroying us all. Yay. Kate? Woo. Yeah. Business lobbies would have us believe that we're coming through the end of this. <laughs> Oh, business lobbies. Oh, business You're so lobbies. silly. <laughs> you, you love you capitalism guys. so much more than public health. I don't know what week this is, but the big news out of Ontario, where Caitlin and I both reside here in Canada, is that uh, there is a widening of what they were calling the social circle, the thing I was making jokes about five minutes ago. Whereas before, it was like, don't fucking see anybody who you don't live with. Yeah. Now... 
I think initially they had it to five. Maybe they were allowing five, but even that was like, eh, yeah. but now they're like, fuck it. Blow the doors off. Ten people. You can work ten people into your social circle. Yep. As well, most things are opening up again to a certain extent. Now, I've yeah, seen... like t- restaurants, they, they're doing... You can, like, sit on the patio. Um, I think you can have a couple people inside, but there's a lot of, like, social distancing happening. Ooh, and I have seen um, Twitter threads from waiters who are like, the law says you can come. Stay the fuck home. Yeah. Because <laughs> what you don't see is your waiter washing his hands and replacing his gloves after everything he touches. Does this seem sustainable? No, it does not. Chill the fuck out. You do not need patio season this badly, Toronto. No, you don't. Just pretend. But Kate... Go have a picnic. Have a yeah. picnic. Picnics are good. Listen, I, yeah. I, I talk a mean game here where I'm like, stay home. But like, listen, I was feeling itchy this week. It's yeah. so gorgeous in Toronto this week. It's like a smooth 17 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. Oh, yeah. Like, yep. it's wild out there. And I am fucking sedentary right now. And I cannot abide this any longer. So I think Friday took an afternoon walk about seven kilometers down by, uh, down by the waterfront because I live relatively close to Lake Ontario, big, long walk on Friday, pretty calm. Not a lot of people around, you know, easy to maintain social distancing, uh, mercifully. And then I decided I was like, oh, that was kind of fun. And, you know, working Pokemon Go back into my life. Pokemon Go, nice little nice little nudge to keep you walking yeah. sometimes. Fire that up. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to hatch an egg in another kilometer. Well, let me get these steps in. Hatch this egg. There's a gym over there. Let me go to that gym, see if I can see if I can post up and milk this game for some free currency. Things like that. I said, let me do that on Saturday, too. Left a little later on Saturday. And also, it's Saturday. And I thought to myself... Well, it's relatively close. It's a decent walk there and back. Maybe I will take myself over to rotate this on Ossington and have my first dig of the COVID era. Oh, and and how did that go, Jordan? It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what what sucks about it? Not the least of not the least of which is just uh, uh, Toronto on a Saturday, because. Uh, I leave the house, got the mask in my pocket. I'm trying, you know, walking with the mask on or doing any sort of like physical activity. I'm not like strolling, like I'm not jogging, but I'm not, it's a quicker stroll than, than most. And also I'm a husky gentleman. So, I mean, even a stroll like that, you're breathing a little heavier as you move along. Not great with the mask. Don't like wearing it until I have to, um, mm-hmm. in Toronto, you have to, I, I think I got around the block. I think I turned the corner right? and was like, fuck this. Cause there's about 40% of you with masks on. And then by the time you get, uh, what did I say last time? East of Dufferin. It's like mask question mark. Okay. Okay. You okay on mask? What? Okay. Nope. <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> porky, porky mask. So I'm immediately like, it was an extra stroll than I expected because I was like, fuck Queen Street and like <laughs> meandered my way through all these, uh, through all these side streets to get to Ossington. There are some nice neighborhoods in Toronto, y'all, with homes that probably cost $2 million each. So I make it to rotate and 
not a terrible experience. If I'm, if I'm being truthful, not a terrible experience. It's just weird. Like, so I had the mask on. I don't know if they were mandating masks in the store. They were keeping it to 10 people. Um, basically saying sign in the front that says there's more than 10 people in here. Like, wait. Um, right. They got the giant bottle, giant pump bottle of hand sanity at the door. I carry hand sanity with me when I go out. So, I mean, nice that it was there, but wasn't, wasn't required. Um, but even then you just start like, I'm just hand sanding like a, like a maniac. Everything I touch, I dig through a bin, hand sanitize, dig through another bin, hand sanitize. Um, right. and I was only there about 25 minutes or so. Like there was like one thing I was looking for that if they'd had it, I might've bought it, but they didn't. So they didn't have what I wanted. I didn't stay that long, but I mean like not all of the customers were wearing masks. The staff were like behind plexiglass, which even then, if it's only plexiglass on one side, like it's a, like germs don't hover y'all i'm trying i try not to be like a crazy germaphobe about this but i mean like if it's not a seal i feel bad enough with my mask my mask isn't like a great seal to begin with right like but it's all the things that like are stacked to help them right it all adds up i guess anyway so i it was interesting and i mean i think i'm going to start widening the social circle myself i may um see leo the brazilian next weekend maybe digging will be a part of that experience as well. But I mean, we don't live close enough to walk to each other. So, I mean, I don't think either of us wants to brave public transit right now, if we can help it. Right. Um, but I'm walking back and like I said, got, got the Pokemon out, took a couple detours on my way home, get my steps in. And, uh, there's a, there's a Pokemon I haven't seen before. What's that Pokemon? And it was like kind of far away out of the way from where I was going, but I hadn't gotten, you know, I was trying to get my 10,000 steps in. I hadn't gotten them in yet. So I was like, eh, fuck it. Take the long way, take the long way and double back. And it was through the lot of the fresh go on Gladstone. And I walked through there and I rounded, I thought I heard like, there were a couple people sitting on like the, the knoll. Cause it's kind of like the fresh goes kind of up a small hill and there's like a little grassy knoll type of thing. And right. a couple people were sitting there. And I thought I heard, like, bass that wasn't mine in my headphones. And I was like, oh, they just have a speaker. They're just chilling out, you know, whatever. And I turned around that corner to, I don't even know what street that was, Beaconsfield. I don't know. It's by, like, the old Brooklyn Drake Hotel type of convenience. That bar convenience is there. Caitlin, I don't know what was happening. I'm never going to know what's happening. But it looked like a fucking block party. It was just this mass of people. I only took a – I don't have a photo of it. I only had a snap that I sent Jeff. But it was just, like – a mass of people. And I was like straight fucking uh, Grandpa Simpson walking into the burlesque house and seeing Bert at the front counter. Like, I walked in, went, <laughs> goodbye. Death stalks you at every turn. I rounded that corner, yep. turned my ass right back around, and went home. Yep. Uh, fuck all of y'all. Like, and it's going to be the kids. I'm officially, I'm officially man shaking fist at cloud to keep the Grandpa Simpson analogy. <laughs> like, I'm just like, fuck all you. You kids are the one who's going to do it. You fucking kids. Remember Trinity Bell was two weeks ago? No, I don't know what the fuck was happening down at convenience. Maybe it was a protest. It didn't sound like a protest. I didn't hear any. I didn't hear much chanting. But you heard some bass, though. I heard some bass. Y'all, y'all were rocking out. What time? I remember what song it was. It doesn't matter. But it's it's wild times, Kate. Because you just got this this populace that's just like fiending to like for normalcy. The weather's too nice. They want to get out there. They want to get out there and spread their fucking germs on everything. <laughs> Just get out there and start uh, well, licking, I mean, licking like banisters and and handrails and shit, and just 
I, I know from just an experience from like the sort of, you know, post high school education world, I work for Mohawk College, which we've talked about before. Um, and our college is taking it much more seriously than some of the other colleges. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like our college is like, like there's, we have a certain amount of PPE um, that we've ordered in and is, we're going to like hand out to departments. Um, uh, in our earlier conversation, I had mentioned that, you know, um, some of the students will be coming back in July to do some of the hands-on work they couldn't for the last semester. Right. So they're sort of going to like catch up a bit um, if, if they can. Um, and so we're taking it very seriously. Um, we have like uh, basically we know who's in and who's out. You have to do like a self-checkup before you even go to the school mm-hmm. um, right now. So they're taking it very, very seriously. Um, they're tracking who's coming and going. You have to sign in. Like it's a huge thing. There's only like one door you can come into or leave from. Um, and certain sections of the school are actually just like closed off so that they've already been cleaned. And so they oh, okay. can just stay sanitized. Yeah. Some colleges are like, yeah, we don't really need to close. Like they did, <laughs> they, they sort of stopped classes. They put them online, but basically people can sort of come in, come go. I don't know the specific colleges, but I just know from us talking to sister colleges being like, Hey, so how are you guys handling this? They're like, Oh no, we haven't done any of that. And we're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> that seems unsafe. Um, yeah, but there just seems to be this population of people who are either sort of blissfully ignorant on purpose. I don't know if it's an idea of like, it's not going to happen to me. You know, you saw all those young, That's definitely part of it. young kids who went to like Florida and partied and now a bunch of them are really sick. <laughs> and it was that idea of like, well, I'm young. Um, and there was actually an article, I believe it was in the Toronto star or it possibly could be CBC of someone saying, you know, there's this idea that there are, there are only two points of the spectrum of sickness. One, you're old and you're going to die. And another is I'm young and I'll get over it. It's just the flu. <laughs> and that's not it at all. There's a huge spectrum of how sick you can get um, and what damage it can do. You know, um, someone had to have a, like, a, there's a case of someone needing a bilateral lung transplant. Um, so, yes, I'll, the majority of people will get over it after being quite sick, but there is um, a, a number of people who, even whether you're young or not, will end up getting very ill and whether they may not die, but they might have issues with their lungs forever, right? So there's this sort of idea that it's like, well, I'm, I might die, but I'll probably get over it. It's fine. I won't wear a mask. I won't social distance. And I always find, I just find it so strange. And then it's that idea that um, you were talking about, about neighbors taking up the playing of musical instruments. <laughs> it's that idea of like, there's no one else exists but yourself, right? So when people even say, oh, well, I'm young and healthy, I'll be fine. I'm like, it's not about you. Nope. It's about everyone else that you come into contact with. When I see old people, 
I have a mask on and sometimes gloves, but I like keep my distance in case I'm carrying it and I don't know. That's the problem. So I haven't had any symptoms. Um, I have had on and off like a sore throat and like a, like congestion in my lungs, but it goes away and it's been going on for like three months. It's allergies. I know it's allergies, but I'm always like, ah, but even then, like, I, what if I did have it and I didn't know? What if one of the days I'm feeling perfectly fine, I have some germs on me and I, you know, run into Ethel and then I give it to Ethel and Ethel died. Like I could not live with myself. So it's not about you. Again, it's about the rest of society. And there seems to be this like blinders oh. and you can talk this up to, like, or you can use this example for so many things. The, the, you know, the playing of musical instruments. <laughs> um, what Caitlin is referring to is I had made mention that the latest development uh, with the zoo that uh, inhabits the building next to mine is the uh, old Greek dude whose balcony faces mine has since taken up the playing of the electric guitar on his balcony, fully amplified, like just, just chilling. He's not terrible, but he's not good. And like, you're just sitting out there tuning your guitar at two in the afternoon on a Thursday. Just like, you don't live alone, my dude, like have at least a modicum of awareness that you have to share this space with people. Like, listen, I don't know. I sit here and I yammer into a microphone for three hours every Sunday. Maybe this pisses off everybody on my floor. I don't know. But even if it does, that's the only thing I do. Yeah, but I can't even hear Like, when I come to your door, which obviously we haven't done for a long time, but when I come <laughs> to your door, I can't even hear if you have music on. Oh, no? No. So, like, until, like, maybe if it's louder, but not until, like, you're usually very considerate. Ah, uh, well, so that's the state of the world. Mm-hmm. Not a ton of news news that I saw. Um, one item that should be mentioned is a commemoration of a longtime legendary DC writer and editor, Dennis O'Neill passed away this week. Mm-hmm. I saw that at 81. Uh, if you collected comics in the eighties, nineties, probably even still the two thousands, the name Denny O'Neill is familiar to you. Best known perhaps for being one of the chief architects that kind of brought Batman out of camp in the seventies when the comics of the sixties greatly reflected like the Adam West Batman 66 style show. Um, Denny O'Neill and his work with Neil Adams, especially kind of was one of the driving forces to bring Batman and put a little more of that telltale grim dark on him, but not like Frank Miller level grim dark. <laughs> he was, he found a good balance of it. Um, as well, he was also the writer of a legendary uh, Green Arrow, Green Lantern run from the 70s, I think, also with Neil Adams. Um, that he was the guy who did the story about uh, Speedy slash Red Arrow getting addicted to smack. <laughs> right. And also in a series of panels that have made the rounds in the wake of his death that are very topical. I mean, this is from the 70s where a black man goes up to Hell Jordan and basically is like, you work for the blue skins, and I see you've done all this stuff for the purple skins and the orange skins. When are you going to do something for the black skins? And Hell Jordan has nothing Ooh. to say. Ooh. Tell me why you've never done anything for the black skins. And Hell Jordan is just like, I can't. 
And then even more, the panel that gets cut off, I saw like those three panels were making the rounds on Twitter. The fourth panel is like Hal Jordan asks this black man, like, well, what can I do to help? And he's like, I'm not an advice committee. <laughs> Good. He's like, you figure it out. I'm like, holy shit, Denny O'Neill. You were, you were, you had, you had the game known. You had the game down better than most at that time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he was a, you can't feel again when a guy dies at 81, can you feel it's not tragic. It's not sad. It's, it's, we have his work and just, it's worth commemorating uh, the impact that this dude had on the comics field. The other item of note, Kate, who remembers yeah. 20, was it 2018? Do you remember 2018? No, I have no idea of what happened in 2018. In 2018, we had perhaps the greatest hem Jordan Ferguson has had in a long and storied career of hemming and hawing. And that was, yep. is Jordan going to buy a PlayStation 4? Right. Mem- I remember this hem me- Remember that? It's all coming back to me now. Remember how long that lasted? Until ultimately it got rock bottom on a Black Friday sale at Walmart? And ultimately I bought it. And a big part of the reason why I bought it was because I had given so much time to Grand Theft Auto Online and they were going to shut down the Xbox 360 PlayStation 3 servers and move it all to what was then the current generation of the PS4. To the point where I had a friend who owned a PS4 log into my account and register it just so it would like hold my spot and all my progress there. And that was what I thought would be the last time Jordan would ever hem and hob a, a video game system. <laughs> yeah, right. So Sony holds their fucking event on, I think it was Thursday, for the PS5. And rattles off a bunch of stuff that looks looks cool, looks interesting. You know, there's going to be a Horizon, I always say it wrong, it's, I always say it like Zero Dark Thirty, Horizon Zero Dawn whatever the game with the redhead hunting robot dinosaurs. Um, there's going to be a sequel to that. That's coming. That'll be interesting. Team behind Final Fantasy 15 is going to have a new game. Miles Miles Morales getting a starring role yeah. in the next Spider-Man game. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. And, and all, it looks like an older Miles Morales. Uh, well, Miles Morales was in the Insomniac game that came out uh, last year. Whenever that was. Whenever like the great, one of the best superhero games ever. Um, Spider-Man game came out from Insomniac. Miles was a supporting character, and it ended with him getting his powers. Spoiler right. for that! Spoiler for that Spider-Man game. Uh, but it basically ended with like Miles and Peter both telling each other, "Like, hey, we both have spider powers." So narratively, it makes sense that the next game would would feature uh, Miles in the starring role. But the one thing I did not expect to hear, the one thing I don't think anybody expected to hear, and even when you hear it, you go, "Fucking of course." is that making its move to a third generation of systems, Grand Theft Auto V and Grand Theft Auto Online, are going to be available at launch for the PlayStation 5. Rockstar, you motherfuckers. Like, everybody thought if they were going to drop anything, it was going to be GTA 6. Like... Like, everybody loves to, like, court GTA 6 rumors and find out what that's going to be or where that's going to be or what you know, what city it's going to be in. Oh, it's going to be in Tokyo. Right. It's going to be in London. It's going to be in the 60s. Who, who, know, who knows what it could be? Um, they could do anything. Nope. But it was I, Dio! 
And why would they? Like, GTA Online is still making them money hand over fist uh-huh. to a ridiculous degree. Um, but just you, fu- you fucking fucks. Of course. Of course. So, uh, look forward to 2022's greatest Hemha in the world. Jordan will decide whether or not he's getting a PS5 and listen to him bitch and complain about that for uh, eight months. In two oh, they're going to love that. In two what years. kind of content is that, Jordan? It's, it's flames. Flame content. The type of content. Listen, you can get good content anywhere. <laughs> but yeah, can you get you come here, Hem Ha content? You come here for that upper echelon Hem Ha content. Well, that is all the like news news that I found in the world. Uh, do you have anything that I missed? It's worth adding. I mean, I have very important news about myself. Oh, oh, go, go. oh my god! Uh, yeah. Is your tea cozy in? Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> so, right, like, all the all the air so, horns. It was. It was honestly. It was like. The next day after we'd done the podcast, and I made a note to myself, you know what? I'm just going to email the Etsy people who (laughs) make the Chicozies and be like, hey, like, do you have a tracking number for this? Um, I I don't mind waiting. I just – I was kind of curious. I didn't know if it was to be here by now. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, I sent the email. I checked the mail. Nothing. I went for a walk. I came back and checked the mail. I just had this inkling. Sure enough, it was there. And I, like, wrote them back, like, right away, being like, I'm sorry. It's in, like, it just came in right after I sent the email. I'm sorry. She was very nice. She was like, oh, I'm sorry it took so long. British Post is, you know, being slow at the moment. I was like, no, no, no I totally understand. Um, and the best part about it, um, it is beautiful. It looks exactly like the picture. It fits beautifully over my teapot. Um, it smells like Scotland. I don't know how Ew. to explain it. I, I think it's I think it's the the soap that you get. Um, they they I believe like they wash it obviously after they've handled it. Um, it. I think it's the they get like a certain type of sunlight soap there, and I think that's what the smell is. But it just it smells like Scotland. I was so excited. Um, other important news that I'm sure people are just they just need to know. Uh-huh. My plants are doing quite well. Thank you. Um, specifically my pumpkins. Pumpkins doing very well. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, very excited about that. Um, and that's it, basically. Just very important things about my personal life. Tea cozy in, plants doing well. And yeah, as said at the top, uh, most of my, I'm still waiting on two, but most of my, uh, record parcels started arriving, uh, after God, I ordered in April, I think. They showed up this After week. After you complained to the universe for like two weeks. <laughs> Just I secreted it out into the universe. Um, I said to Kate before we recorded, normally I'm used to these things like requiring a signature. Um, but I guess this this mail option did not require one because multiple days I went out to take the trash. And there were just <laughs> like boxes piled in front of my apartment door. So look forward to those, the, the fun, extra, extra geeky down breakdown of those coming to a Twitter and Instagram feed near you shortly. Uh, I, yeah. Well, I guess do we just move on to updates then? Updates. 
Go ahead. Okay. Um, TV. Uh, all the Avatar. <laughs> and all the murder she wrote. Uh-huh. And that's it. Um, movies. Uh, I have a movie night with Ren. Uh, and we watched Tuck Everlasting, which is a movie from 2000, 1999. I can't quite remember. No, I was just um, really working that, working that kids movies, that late nineties kids movies lane. It, it's not, it was, it was movies for tweens and teenagers. It was 2000 because it came out when we were in high school and it was like the first year of high school. And I remember watching it with her and another friend. And being like, oh, it's so romantic. There's so many holes in the story. So. But um, still pretty good. Good watch. Interesting concept. Um, so that was fun. Uh, then Senior Correspondent and I went to a drive-in theater. Because, I mean, those are already social distanced. So they must do, be doing gangbusters. And we watched um, Trolls 2. Um, oh, okay. which is a terrible movie. <laughs> it, it's a terrible movie that could have been good. I've, I've not seen the first Trolls movie. Um, but you really didn't, you don't really need to. Um, <laughs> no, there's and, no important narrative threads in the Trolls extended universe I need to pick up on? No. Um, but it is a terrible movie. It has a couple good parts. Um, yeah. And the, and the songs are not good. Um, they're not original, they're covers, but they're just not good. They don't give a full song. The rock songs they picked were not the best. Um, so, yeah. Those movies are just but ugly. The That's my problem. They're just ugly. Like, the character designs are... I yeah. Get, they're, I get they're trolls, I mean, they're but... Just, yeah, they're just they're nonsensey, silly movies. I'm, if kids like them, great. It just, I feel like our movies were much more, when we were kids, were much more aesthetically pleasing. Um, but anyways, it's just a personal opinion about children's movies from Caitlin. <laughs> from a 30-plus-year-old woman. Yeah. Um, books, I, I, I was just diving into, um, still reading Emily Dickinson. Um, but I'm, I dove into some graphic novels. I read She-Hulk Volume 2. Did I mention that last time? You did. Oh, okay. Well, it was very good. Um, and then I actually reread um, Sandman Preludes and Nocturnes. Oh. So I had given – I gave my first two to someone. Like, I lent them to them. I have no idea who has them. And after years of just, like – forgetting that I gave them away and then being like, where are they? And then being like, who did I give them to? I just, I bought them. <laughs> I was just like, I, I need to have these on my shelf. It was really interesting because the ones I had were, I guess I bought them before the 30th anniversary. Um, oh, and so these before ones they, were got, like the, they got recolored? Yeah. And this one, these ones were like the 30th anniversary edition. So there were notes from mm. the like editor and, notes from this person so and that was really interesting um sort of talking about what it meant to certain people um why they think it was a big hit how it came about i find that really interesting and uh one note was from neil gaiman and i don't remember it in my old copies it might have been there i think it was a little i think he wrote it not super recently but definitely after many years of sandman being out and just saying like 
you know, I look back at these stories and they need a lot of work. <laughs> like <laughs> even saying like, even though this thing has been praised and is renowned as a writer, he can see that like, there were a lot of like, it was very jumbled. He'd never written comics before. Well, he had written one, but not a, not like a monthly. Right. And, um, and just he, but he still now there are like ideas or fragments or a line or something that he's really, you know, he's like, that's good. And he said, really, this was the foundation for the rest of Sandman, which was much better. And, and yeah. And so my point is, if, if you have time, if you haven't read Sandman, Preludes and Nocturnes, how did you get go here? Out. <laughs> how did you get to this podcast if you never read Preludes and Nocturnes? Well, I mean, the, the problem is, is people forget that there is starting to be a generational divide, right? There is, there is what, basically what happened, like things in the 90s that existed. And then there was a cultural nerd boom, I'm going to say in the early 2000s to now, where now there's way more content, right? Um and people don't know where those origins are. Um, and like when we, I don't know about you, but I felt like there was, there was stuff out there definitely in the 90s for sure. But there weren't the number of television shows that there are now. Oh, God, no. No, that the deal with, that deal with magic or, um, science fiction or, you know, just weird concepts. Um, there were a couple series of books that were pretty well known. Um, there were television shows like Sliders, right? God. There was Star Trek. Um, but now there's much more like something for everyone. And it's, and we've talked about this in a couple shows past that things have gotten like weirder. Um, and there wasn't a ton of that. And Sandman was like, if you were just getting into nerd culture, everyone was like, oh, you have to read Sandman. Whereas now I feel like someone's like, hey, read any of these amazing graphic novels, <laughs> but you might not run into Sandman if you're of a younger generation. I think the fact that they're making a show um, – is going to, you know, reconnect people with the graphic novel. Come on now, don't forget um, that hot audio play, the hot audio oh, drama that, coming this summer. Yes, of course, of course. <laughs> of totally, course. how could I forget about that? That's why someone might get to this show and maybe not have read Sandman, Preludes and Nocturnes. Well, then but get, the fuck, get the fuck out. You should. And go read it. You should, yeah. Just pause the podcast, come back later, go read it. Um... And you can let us know if you have read it and what you thought about it on any of the socials. Um, and then finally, I have watched so much YouTube. <laughs> um, for, I go through these phases where, so you know I'm, I, I like film. <laughs> film. Capital S. Film. Um, and I've, I've, been really into film since I was very young because I got exposure to a lot of old films. Um, like, and we had a beta machine. 
Good lord. And we had like we had like a ton of beta tapes. Um, and so we had a lot of old movies on these beta tapes um, that I got to watch that I maybe wouldn't have otherwise. Um, and we were like, there was a lot of renting videos from, so we had like a corner store down the street that also rented videos, which a lot of them did back in the day. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that was like, if the good stuff was out, I needed something for the weekend. I'm just one child. Like I can't, there's only so many times mom's going to let me watch um, the secret garden. Right. Uh, So I would rent films that maybe were older that I hadn't seen before musicals and stuff, stuff from like the fifties and forties and sixties. And that's sort of where it started. And there, I get really into like YouTube videos about film. Sometimes it's, directors sometimes it's actors but there's a series of um videos on youtube they also he has like a website and i think these are on netflix now they're called off camera with sam jones mm-hmm. and he interviews um actors and some directors and some screenplay writers about film about acting um it's just like I, once upon a time i got really into um in the actor studio, is that what it's called? Inside the um, actor's inside studio. the actor studio. Um, I got like really into that and watched like every single video I had my hands on. Um, but Sam Jones, by and large, does an amazing job of just letting actors or directors talk. Whereas with the Hollywood Reporter roundtables, <laughs> the it's it, there's one British guy in particular. But there are a couple other interviewers, and they all interrupt people constantly. And I don't know if it's because they need to keep things going or what, but it comes off as just totally dismissive and rude. And I'm like, why do you have them there in the first place then? But anyways, so both are interesting, but definitely the off-camera with Sam Jones. He just does one-on-one interviews. Um, They're really, really fascinating. There's tons of them with a ton of different actors and celebrities. Um, and you really find out interesting things about people that like actors that you wouldn't normally think, you know, just how they feel about the business or um, how they felt about like a certain movie or um, issues in the industry. Very, very interesting. Um, and then because I also delight in old people, um, there's a, a YouTube series called Reacting, um, and there's specifically ones with this woman and her, um, her her Korean grandmother. I believe she's Korean. Her Korean grandmother, and she has her try American food, <laughs> and it's like just like, and there's like a bunch of them where it's like, um, I think I talked about it before. There are like tribes in India that, you know, try pancakes for the first time, or American breakfast or whatever, and she does the same thing with her her grandmother um and she'll try like uh one of them was they tried american comfort food so they had like mashed potatoes and gravy and they had grilled cheese and tomato soup which is a thing apparently which i did not know grilled cheese and tomato Um, soup yeah yeah i I didn't know i i know about the ketchup thing which is what i do i can't really eat grilled cheese without ketchup um but i didn't know you like it was a thing to like dip it in tomato soup but anyways 
and just her reactions are really funny. And she's just like loves all the food. She's like, ooh, this is tasty. Um, so that's just like comfort watching. And uh, that's about it. Well, all right. I don't know that I have anything exceptionally new to bring up on the program. Uh, still spent some time with watch some more Harley Quinn, watch some more Dorohedro. Um, Dorohedro is so weird and delightfully weird. Um, I don't know that this uh, 12 episodes is going to wrap anything really up. I think it's uh, known that this is going to be a multi-season uh, show. Right. Um, but still, I've, I will probably keep with it for the duration. Still so gory. Um, as well, yeah, Harley, still watching some Harley Quinn. Um, yeah, not mad at it. Don't hate it. Probably don't like it as much as you did, but it's not bad by any means. Um, oh, and an amendment. I remembered this. It's on Amazon Prime, but you need like an extra subscription. Moneybag's over there with her stack TV, uh. Her stack TV. I had to get Harley, okay? <laughs> Gets her that Adult Swim content. The rest of us plebes. We just have to watch the basic uh, Amazon Prime content. Item of note that I didn't know was coming. I don't think anybody knew it was coming. It just hit on Friday. Uh, was a half hour, can you call it a special? I don't know what you would call it. Just sort of thing from Dave Chappelle through Netflix uh, that went up on... I don't even know if it's on Netflix proper. I didn't bother to look. It's on YouTube. It's on uh, Instagram, probably Facebook. Like I said, it's half hour long. It was filmed on June 6th of this year, so like a week ago. Um, and it is called 846, which is the length of time that Derek Chauvin le- uh, kneeled on George Floyd's neck. And it's basically Chappelle processing the events Late era Chappelle is an interesting thing to reckon with. And you can say a lot about late era Chappelle. A lot of people have, he's had very troubling sort of takes on the trans community and some of the me too moments and whatnot that seem to go beyond making an edgy joke and more like, "Mm, you seem like you actually kind of believe some of this shit. Um, but this is not, rehearsed really or anything it's a set and it's filmed at a uh i believe what is probably Chappelle's farm in ohio um he kind of set up his barn with a little stage and laid out some socially distant chairs and tables mm-hmm. in the yard basically and then just kind of stood up there and as <laughs> one the only laugh you get, and it's still perfectly placed. It's not even like a funny joke, but just the way he placed it was so perfect where it's just like, this is not funny at all. <laughs> he's like, I got some pussy jokes later. Don't worry. <laughs> but he's not, uh, he's clearly like going to a moleskin and looking. It's the point at which, you know, normally at this stage in the, in the material to where a dude like Dave Chappelle or Chris Rock or somebody like that would go to a club unannounced and like, quote, work out like do the joke, see what's working, see what's not. And then ultimately everybody always says like, when you see Chris rock working out, he's not Chris rock. Cause he knows like the extra sauce of being Chris rock and putting that, like the thing you need to do, you know, that really Chris rock really punches his words. If you see Chris rock working out, he doesn't do any of that. Cause he wants to make sure the joke's funny on its own before he salt bays that extra little Chris rock on it. Right. So this is Chappelle just not, 
this is not polished at all. Even the description on YouTube was like from Dave colon. I normally wouldn't let you see this, but you know, he doesn't have like a flow or anything. He's just kind of like, he looks in a moleskin and then just kind of talks on certain right. subjects and he's processing the protests and the death of George Floyd. Uh, specifically people on Twitter yipped up about like, there's no mention of Breonna Taylor or any of the women and things like that. Yes, that is correct. Um, I don't think that check my privilege. I don't think that takes away from it. It's really raw and really messy and angry. And like, he tells this story, um, about, I don't remember, I don't remember his name, but it was a thing in LA where it was an African American. He was a cop. He went on a call and thought his partner, partner who was a white who was a white woman thought his partner was getting a little rough with you know kick some dude who was in handcuffs or something um so yeah the guy's name was uh christopher dorner and this took place in 2013 um and i did not know this story until chappelle told it on stage basically he did not um took issue with what his partner was treating um a suspect or you know, mm-hmm. perpetrator and tried to do the right thing. We now are all pretty cognizant of what happens when cops try to do the right thing. Um, he got terminated. He got fired. Um, and after exhausting every appeal to get his job back when that was denied, Chappelle says he wrote a manifesto. You know where this is going. Um, Dorner was a former uh, Naval reservist. Um, from the military before he was a cop. And he's basically like, I'm going to start killing y'all. And he did. He shot down two cops who were chilling in their squad car. He also said, I'm not just coming after you. I'm coming after your families. Unless the LAPD admitted they did him wrong, basically. So, yeah, I'm not going to go into all of it. I, But he, he killed a bunch of people. And the point is, basically, when they found this dude at a cabin, Chappelle's like, they sent, like, 400 cops like descended on this dude and they Swiss cheesed his ass. Like Christopher Dorner was deader than dead could be. He's like, and why did they send 400 cops? Because this dude had killed one of the killed many of their own. So how the fuck can you not understand what's happening in these streets right now? Right. Um, and it's just, it's, I can't even like evaluate it. It's not like good. Can you say it's good? I don't know. It's just a dude, a really smart dude who's an amazing storyteller, just like processing something for half an hour. Like, and if it means that, you know, middle-aged white dudes who still love saying Rick James bitch are going to, uh, you know, watch this and get a dose of something that maybe they weren't expecting and maybe hear it for the first time because they've been willfully ignoring it up to this point. I mean, that makes it a worthwhile endeavor in my book. Uh, not a fun watch, not a fun hang. You will laugh ruefully at times, but that's for free. Pretty where anywhere you can get video content. Uh, another thing that's free where you can get video content. And this is my YouTube contribution for, for the week. That was a good segue, by the way. I, I, I learned it from you. Oh, thanks. It is a channel on YouTube. The user's name is Rambalak. Rambalak. R-A-M-B-A-L-A-C. And what this gentleman does is, 
post from a first-person perspective, hour-long videos of just strolling for an hour through Tokyo neighborhoods at different times of day. Oh. And they're real pretty. And also heartbreaking. You're going. You're just not going this year. And, yeah. Shibuya on a Saturday morning. That was fun. Oh, there's the Hachiko statue. I was going for a stroll as the sun comes up in Shibuya on a Saturday. I would have been in Shibuya on a Saturday. Record store day would have been a Saturday. I'd have been there. Mm. It's okay. It's all right. You're going to make it. I think he's also got some, uh, I think he's also got some train ones where he like gets, oh, in, the, I like train ones. gets in the front car of a train, like, gets in the front car of a train and just rides yeah. the train for the full route. I let like five of these play out just like in the background. Nothing but like the ambient noise of a uh, Kichijoji or somewhere somewhere like that. So if you want some uh, if you want some chill ambient background noise, Rambalak on YouTube. And if you're still mourning the loss of your Japan trip, maybe not. And that's what I got, friends. We're gonna take a break right here. When we yep. come back, Kate and I are going to talk about more opportune June selections, some more items from the archive that maybe we wanted to get back to, but never had the opportunity. We are giving ourselves the opportunity to revisit them. We will see how they are holding up when we come back after this break. everyone, and welcome back to the show. This is yeah. part of the show where we talk about the things we brought each other, but we have already brought each other these things, and we've chosen to keep on watching things that we brought each other. Y'all, you know we bring each other so many things. So many All things. All the things. It's nearly impossible to really consider and understand all the things we have brought each other in the li- lifetime of this podcast. We just don't have enough hours in the day to keep up with all of them. Nope. So we have to steal those hours back, which is what Opportune June is for. So, uh, we don't have rules because we've already done the rules. <laughs> I guess the only thing is, I mean, there's going to be spoilers. <laughs> there's always spoilers on the show. You know that. You know if that. If you're like, no, I don't want to hear your spoilers. You know what? I'm going to say it nicely, but I'm going to say it. Please get the fuck out. Oh, she's, she's walked it back. No, just get the fuck out. It's not go fuck yourself <laughs> anymore. I just feel like people need a little kindness right now, right? <laughs> I was a little harsh last week. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Fuck you." Listen, fuck your opinions. I've gotten feedback from the listeners. Yeah, they like angry Kate. I'm just saying. Oh, do they? The people like angry right. Kate. Well, someday where I'm not on all the drugs, I'll be. I'll get angry about something. Um, <laughs> now everything. You know what? Next awesome. week I'll get angry. I'll get. I'll get angry about white women giving me a bad name. <laughs> um, so we are going to talk about things, like I said, that we've already brought each other, that we have chosen to keep watching. Jordan and I, unlike last week where we just sort of chose and didn't tell each other, we sort of talked about some things. There was a little bit of a surprise um, of what I chose to watch. But before we get into that, it is Jordan's turn to start with what he continued watching. I mean... The joke is that it's always going to be Avatar. The real joke is that it's always going to be The Expanse. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so what where did you know where you ended up did you have to watch some to get back into the groove of it um lord uh <laughs> The other difference here is like Avatar is the thing that Caitlin gives gives me that is like watch this until you like it and I'm like it'll never happen. Uh, the Expanse I like, but just for some yeah. reason I only watch it when I am mandated to by this program. <laughs> I don't know if it's the whole like hour long thing where it's just like eh, I'd rather play a tappy tab game in that time than watch a television show or what. But um. Sorry, The Expanse is a uh, space opera show that was on sci-fi and is now on Amazon. Uh, when Kate brought it to me initially, it was I likened it a lot to like your sci-fi Game of Thrones. If you want that vibe, yeah. This is your if you're missing that vibe, if you're missing your multi-layered plot threads and whatnot. Also, it follows a lot of kind of the same sort of story beats, um, because didn't the it was based on some novels called. What is the series of novels called? Is it called something different, or is it called The Expanse? It's called the. Uh, I don't know what, if they have a name for the series. Yeah. Well, who knows? But this guy this, by this duo that write under the name James S. A. Court, James S. A. Corey, and also they were like assistants for George R. R. Martin at one point or something, right? Like they worked with him, mm-hmm. so they came up under him. So there's a lot of like you can spot similarities here with a lot of the storytelling, um, which I will get into in a moment. Uh, I apparently made it through the first season last time. Still meant I watched the last episode. It still meant I watched the season one finale. Because when season two started, in a very Game of Thrones sort of way, it was like, what is happening? Where am I? Who are these people? (laughs) And I could not find it. It Like, is there like a recap thing? And even if I had had a recap, I still probably would have been like, what? Because the first season was about this like daughter of some billionaire who like went missing and she got like space white Walker juice in her and died. Mm-hmm. And you have your warring fat, you know, again, if you have houses that you in game of Thrones, your houses here are like earth Mars, the belters who are like, you know, working class people on uh, who work on, uh, asteroid, asteroid belts, belt. um, things like that. And everybody's got a, you know, prejudice and thoughts about, each other. Um, you've also got like the United Nations and the Martian military and things of that. And everybody's, everything's tense between all, all sides. And what this missing woman was getting into and what she found and where it came from and who wants to control it and who's trying to control it. These are all the like push and pulls that are happening uh, in that first season. And the first season ends with kind of this standoff shootout thing on a space station called Eros. And basically your ragtag crew of, they're formerly, what were they originally? They were just miners originally, right? Yes, they were miners. And I don't, they were just working for some company. Ice miners, right? They go and they get... Yeah. They get ice off of asteroid belts and then they make that water. They get water. ice and I think they get like other minerals and stuff. I, can, I actually honestly can't remember. They get roped into this thing with, um, again, this is me now even wondering, do we even know where these like, these, they're ships that can cloak in the classic sort of, you know, Klingon Romulan way. 
Yeah. They can make themselves invisible. Do we even know yet who controls those? I, the problem is, is because I watched You're going to spoil some shit for me? <laughs> and I watched it a long time ago. I'm like, yeah, we know, but I actually don't know at this point if you know. I don't know um, if we know at this point, yeah, but they basically get roped into that and they end up on this, like, Martian kind of, like, not yeah, super and, ship, and, but it's like, they steal some yeah, Martian ship. Basically, yeah. So they, they, there was a bigger ship, a, some of the crew, I'm going to say, like, five of them, six of them go on to a smaller ship to go investigate something and the bigger ship explodes. Yes. And then the Martians are like, what did you do? We just saw this happen. And they were like, this had nothing to do with us. We don't know what you're talking about. And it just, from there, they just, they're basically held by the Martians. And then I think the Martians get attacked. We don't need to rehash the entire season one, but basically like, but basically, yeah. And they get on this. Those are your main characters. Yeah. And do they have the road? Ron Sinante? Yes, they have the, have, which is the ship they escaped the, like, super Martian ship from. When they got attacked, yeah. when the Martian ship got attacked by these, like, clone ships that we don't, may or may not know who they're working for. Um, yeah. Basically, there are Earth, there are factions that want Mars and Earth to go to war with each other. Um, yeah. And there are factions that don't. That's kind of where we, where we leave off on season one is there was this space station that was filled with the blue gunk. They were basically pumping the blue gunk that killed this missing woman into the citizens of the space station so they can just see what happens and monitor it, basically. Um, And they get away from the station at the end of season one, and and the episodes I saw season two, I think I saw three of them, they basically go back. They're like, we got to try to save them or figure something out or stop what's happening there. Um, So that stuff's all really interesting. Uh, I was apparently very wrong about the Thomas Jane character who I thought was going to go down by the end of season one. I thought he was going to be our Sean Bean. Uh, I still think he's going down. I just don't know when he's already on the outs with the crew of the Ronci for killing the lead scientist of uh, the blue goop observation project, which is just what I'm going to call it. I know it's called the proto molecule, but I call it the blue blue goop better. I call it blue goop. Um, and uh, you also have Cuddy from The Wire plays a large part. He plays this guy. The names are a little benign. It's, it's like that thing where, like, you had a guy on Game of Thrones whose name was Ned. It's like, you have this big, this big important dude's name is Fred Johnson. Yeah, I love Fred Johnson. Fred Johnson. I love Fred, jo- I love Fred Johnson. And then one of my favorite characters is his assistant. Oh, the woman? Yeah. Oh, I love her so much. She's pretty good. <laughs> she, she's pretty cool. She's playing handball with a, with the love interest, former OPA, whatever. Sorry, the OPA are like the are like the rebel faction because there's always going to be one. Um, yeah. And basically, yeah, where I left off was so the Thomas Jane character was on the out for killing Blue Goop lead scientist because um, Blue Goop lead scientist is like, I don't care who runs this, I just want to see what happens. This this the Blue Goop, we don't know where we think it came from, extraterrestrials. We think we can use it to, like, fucking push humanity's evolution along type of thing. I don't care who's, like, in charge of this. I just want to keep doing my work. Um, And (laughs) Thomas Jane is like, you know what? No. Bam. And initially, uh, Fred Fred, (laughs) keep on calling him Fred Thompson. Fred Johnson is like, oh, my God, that's terrible. Get the fuck off my station, blah, blah, blah. And then by the end of the last episode I saw, Thomas Jane is like, you know, I didn't kill this dude because I thought I didn't kill him because I thought he was crazy. I killed him because I think he, I don't think he was. 
And I think you agree with me. And so now they're trying to plot basically how to... Oh, it's getting so juicy. Oh, They want to go back and basically now blow up this station where the Blue Goop, uh, the Blue Goop experiment was happening. Um, that's the macro sort of plot right now that I'm seeing. The micro plot... <sighs> So any sort of like epic like this, you want to introduce new characters. You got to widen the net. Kate, I don't care about these Martian Marines at all. Oh, but you will. I I better. Gunny, you better have something more to offer me than just looking pouty and wanting to go to war with Earth. It's been three episodes and all you're doing is standing there pouting. And this is not the actress's fault. It's just bad booking. (laughs) I'm sure she's a great actress. I don't buy you as the baddest bitch in the Martian Marines. I don't. Oh, she's the bad. She's the baddest bitch. I don't buy it. We don't believe you. She's gonna stand, stand there and pout. Man, I want to go to war with Earth. Why are we going to this station? I want to go to war. Blah blah blah. Bitch, you gonna get your ass whooped. I want. We got to terraform Mars. I want to go to war. Stop it. It's like how I didn't like the Michael Pena character in Narcos. It's just like, all I care about is like, man, we have to stop cocaine. Shut up. Raise your family. Like, there, there are other things here. Man, I want to go to war. Cocaine's fine. Leave it alone. <laughs> I want space cocaine. Like, no, no, relax. Yeah. Relax, no, it, space it, Michael Pena. I definitely at the beginning, you're like, what is it? Where is this going? But it 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 goes. It, that's what I mean. You're getting to, like, the juicy, like... You're getting to the chocolate center. <laughs> I mean, there, there are extra threads coming here, right? So, I mean, Missing Woman's yeah. daughter obviously has a stake in the blue goop and wants to see this, you know, thing happen. He's working the head of the UN to try to nudge war, nudge the march to war along. You have Christian, is that her name? The undersecretary? Yeah, Christian Amanpour, I think. With, with, with the, like, isn't that the journalist on CNN? I think it's a different name. <laughs> Oh, maybe. I think her first name is Christian, but the last name might be different. Um, which is um, the smokiest voice since Eartha Kitt. My God. Can that woman just read every audiobook for me in life ever? And also her outfits are the best, and I'm glad she just doesn't like – she does not care. She's like, I'm going to wear the biggest fucking jewels I can find <laughs> and rock it. So now she doesn't like what's going on. She's suspicious. She's trying oh. to get to Fred Thompson. Fred Thompson. Fred Johnson. It's, it's, it's Christian Avasarala. Avasarala. Close. Yeah. I'm important. I'm important is the journalist, but yeah. closer than <laughs> sorry, <I> sorry, <laughs> Christian. I'm Um, she doesn't like what's going on. She sees some moves being made that she doesn't really like. She's trying to get to Fred Johnson to try to see if they can work together. So she's committing treason. And now, yeah, now Thomas Jane wants to. Uh, him and Fred Johnson think they should just blow up the station and be done with it. Um. And they want to use, like, some Mormon religious arc to, like, crash into yeah. it. It's like, oh, yeah. like, that took a turn. Um, so that's all. Those are, like, all the big beats that are happening in the story. I remember previously talking about really, like, hating Amos. And, like, but now I kind of love Amos. Amos had this great, uh, right? he, he, had, he just had a nice moment with... They they find this one uh, scientist from the Blue Goop Project, and they bring him back. He's a prisoner. They're trying to get him to to work with him, and he won't talk. He doesn't really care about anything. They're trying to, like, appeal to his empathy. Well, he doesn't have any because they basically, like, whoever was in charge, like, magnetized his brain to remove his, his empathy center. Um, and basically, Amos gets him to talk by just, like, 
all he, if all this dude cares about is himself now and he has no empathy, like, ask him about the things he's interested in. Right. And that's basically how he gets this scientist to start uh, talking and they get him to basically work for them by, like, encouraging his work. Like, all he wants to see is that what it, what this thing is doing and the thing might be getting sentient and I know the missing, I've heard tell that the missing girl basically becomes like the <laughs> the show's version of the Night King. She's dead, but she's not type of thing. Um, so, I mean, will I stay with it? I, yes. How much will I stay with it? I always get real hot on this show when I dip my toes back in and then I fall off because it's like seven o'clock at night and it's like, I just want to play Grand Theft Auto. Like, it's a good show. I don't know why it can't keep my attention sustainably. Like I got three seasons. I have so much content left on this show and I like it. Every time I watch it, I'm like, man, why is this show should be part of the discussion more like the discourse, you know, why we should, why do, why do we talk? So why does the discourse I encounter talk so much about fucking, I don't know, top chef, but it's not talking about, Oh God, bourbon, but it's not talking about the expanse as much. Like, Everybody talked about Brooklyn Nine-Nine getting saved, but when The Expanse got bought by Amazon, it was like, that was huge. Like, why are we not, this show doesn't seem to be, and maybe I'm just missing it. Maybe it's outside my filter bubble. But, like, I'm just saying, y'all, like, bring The Expanse into your life. Like, yeah, it's a good hang. And, like, they, they, it goes, it goes far. Like, it, it doesn't stay put. Oh, I read synopses for later seasons, and I'm like, who are any of these names? I don't know. Well, no, the main characters stay around, but there's definitely, like, introductions introductions of other characters. Other characters go and do other things. Um, and it's really interesting because, like, I know some a bit about, like, where the books go. And the show changes. Have you read I the books? I think is really interesting. No, I haven't read the books. Mm. Um, but the show changes. And I think that's really interesting because a lot of the times – when the show captures something, you know, lightning in a bottle, they kind of want to keep doing the same thing. Yeah. But that can be death to shows like this, right? How much more complicated can you make it? So instead of making it, you know, more and more threads and more and more this and more and more that, they kind of they kind of move the show to something else. It still has some, like, the favorite characters and interesting politics, but it it sort of gives them new things to play with. And I think that's really fascinating. Um, yeah. And um, it might not be for everyone, but I, from what I know, I really like the fourth season. I think a lot of people like the fourth season. It was very different though. Um, and I don't know. I just think that. That was their SO season, wasn't it? Kind of. They were yeah. off on a different planet or a continent or something. Yeah. Yeah. So they're on, on, on a different planet. Um, and they're sort of uncovering more about the the bigger galaxy, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. Um, and it, I know from later on in the story, like it does have a piece to play. It's not just like we're just going to do this now. Like they, these are. It is a narrative that is moving forward, um, which I also find really interesting. Um, but yeah, I think that like I can understand. It's it's. I mean, I stopped watching Game of Thrones because I kept, I felt like they were doing the same thing over and over again. Um, and also because of all the rapiness. Well, that's what I was just going to say. I, I mean, for all the, uh, for all the like 
comparisons I've made in this discussion between the show and Game of Thrones. Uh, rape free. Yep. <laughs> and like, you know, it that doesn't that doesn't happen, in the, which is great because I don't have to be afraid that at any moment <laughs> I'm going to encounter some horrible sexual assault <laughs> or the thrill of it. I've seen only one sex act on this show, and it was consensual. Yes, very consensual. So I can understand, like, I can understand maybe why some person would be like, you know, this is really a lot. But what helps is when you have someone else who you're watching with who's also like, hey, can we see what happens next? <laughs> um, and because I hadn't read the books, I didn't know what was going to happen next. And they, they veer enough away from the books that I think even people who have, they're like, I don't know where the story is going. I want to know what happens to these characters. I want to know the outcomes. Um, but I guess, like, you have so much entertainment that you have. Um, sometimes it's easiest to, like, eat the slush, right? Like, I've there's lots of stuff I could be watching. I've chosen to rewatch Avatar. Like, <laughs> it's a great show, but there's tons of other stuff I could do. But it's kind of like slush, right? It's easy to digest. I've already seen it. I can kind of have it in partially in the background. Um Whereas for something like The Expanse, if you haven't seen it before, you, you have to sit and watch it. Yeah. So, but how is, like, have, has your rating, have your kick punches stayed the same? I don't, I mean, I don't remember what I gave initially. I'm sure I was high on it. Um, yeah. And dipping back into it, like, definitely, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as to say, like, I miss these characters, but, like, it was fun being back, getting back into that world. Like, I enjoyed yeah. returning to that world. Because that was the one thing I always said about this show, was the world building was was upper, upper echelon world building. And the money this show has. You can't do a show like this without having a fucking budget, and they... This is not Babylon 5. Like, they have the money to make this show look incredible. Um, and now they got that Bezos money, so, I mean, it's always going to look incredible. Um... So, I mean, it's, it's, it's an eight or a nine, like, depending on my yeah. mood, it's definitely, it's one of the, like, one day, I, if we haven't done it already, one day we're going to have to, like, choose the Rushmore of, like, all-time greats from, you know, things we brought each other, but this is definitely, this will always be up Ooh. there for me, like. It's going to be hard. <laughs> well, the thing Caitlin watched this week show up on the Rushmore? I don't know. She made she made it sound she made it sound conflicting. She had some so, things she so, had some things she needs to talk about to get off her spirit. Well, no, I, I, I don't it's not conflicting. I just have a lot to talk about. But let me start with when we were talking about what we were gonna watch, we joked that yes, it's always gonna be Avatar and Utena, but it's also always gonna be Pasta and the Expanse. Yes. And I was like set to go watch Pasta. Like I, I miss the characters. Um, and I do go back to it from time to time, but again, and I think I, I don't know if I talked on the show about it or if I talked to you about it, there's solid hours, Korean dramas. Oh, yeah. I'm not talking like 45 minutes, not 50 minutes, like an hour and something without commercials. Yeah. Um, and because it's in a foreign language, I can't do something else. <laughs> I have to sit and watch because I need to obviously read the subtitles. Um, and the subtitles occasionally go really quick. So I was set to watch pasta, but I, I was having trouble finding it. The place I watched it before, I think it, they got bought. And so now you have to pay or get an oh, app. And I was just like, Ugh. no, thank you. 
don't put hurdles in my way because right. <laughs> I'm not there for it. So I was like, you know what? I actually would really like to get back to, also in the Korean drama um, vein, is Romance is a Bonus Book. Oh, my God. So uh, Romance is a Bonus Book is a South Korean television series starring Lee Na Young and Lee Young Suk, and it aired from January 26th to March 17th, 2019 on TVN, but... It also weirdly got financing or picked up by Netflix. Netflix co-production, yes. Yeah, so they say, like, Netflix original, and I was like, mm, maybe. Um, so the the show is also known as Romance is a Supplement and How to Publish Love. I like How to Publish Love best, <laughs> but that's fine. Um, so I'm just going to give you the synopsis, um, which is from of course, Wikipedia, but it gives you a good idea of what's going on. So, um, Cha Eun-ho is a successful author and a senior editor at a book publishing company. Kang Dani is a mother and former successful advertising copywriter. When uh, Eun-ho was a child, uh, Dani saved him from an accident and was injured. Um, then they basically, Eun-ho um, helps her while she is recuperating in hospital and they become friends basically because she's on bed rest for a year. She like breaks her arms and her legs, saving them. Um, so by helping her acquire books to read from the library, Unho himself becomes interested in writing. The two younger youngsters stay close friends well into adulthood. However, their friendship was strained after Danny started dating a selfish, inconsiderate man. Although he disapproved of her choice in a partner um, and she too expressed doubt at time, Unho stands by her decision to marry this man. Now in the present, um, Unho enlists uh, Danny to help him find a housekeeper, but he has no idea Danny is the one doing the work and taking payment. He's also unaware of her uh, living situation and the true extent of the hardship she's facing as a divorced single mother with a large gap in work experience trying to reenter the professional world. Eventually, Danny is no longer able to keep her secret from him, and Unho lends a helping hand. Their lives become even more intertwined when Danny applies to be a temporary task support worker at his publishing company. Although Unho is initially worried about how she will perform, Danny surprises him and other senior executives with her creativity and hard work. The rest of the series is about the personal and professional challenges they face as they slowly start to realize their true feelings for each other and navigate this next stage of their lives. Yeah. So... I'm at the part now where, like, I'm two episodes away from it being finished. Okay. And I'm really, really going to miss the show. <laughs> I forgot how good the show was. I don't know how. Um, the uh, actress who plays Denny, her face is the best. Oh, my God. I she's delightful. Face. So delightful. I love her face. Even even the gentleman who plays Unho, like, he has these great expressions. And what's really funny is you think he's going to be very, like, schmarmy because he kind of comes off that way sometimes to make him look, you know, the way Korean dramas do, they make him look really cool. Yes. Um, but he, there have these great moments where they're both really nervous. It's like they're teenagers. They, like, there's an episode where he, he says, like, hey, why don't we go out to dinner at, like, a restaurant um, near this place and she's like okay and like he goes and he's like well let's change and meet back in like 10 minutes she's like okay and he go he goes first of all he goes into his room to change and he's like yes sounded totally natural <laughs> and i thought that was hilarious and they both take because they both realize this is basically their first date right but it's been unsaid they both take like 
25 minutes getting ready. And they're like, I can't leave my room because now it's more than 10 minutes and it's going to look really awkward. And so they're both like opening doors and closing doors and being like, I can't be the first one out there. It's adorable. It's so ridiculously cute. But they also balance this like mushy cuteness um, with things about uh, working in publishing. Yes. And also it gets to a point where the relationship's going really well, but they find out that Denny, because Denny decided to have a family and and is now a single mother, um, she faces what so many Korean and Japanese women face, which is basically this prejudice about trying to come back into the workforce. Mm-hmm. In the first episode, she gets like, told off by some woman who's like, you know, you're trying to come back. That's so like selfish. How dare you? You know, how dare you? We, I had to sacrifice. I couldn't have these things so I could stay in the workforce. Danny doesn't have a choice. She has no money. Um, what is she supposed to do? So she had lied on her resume saying she didn't have any work experience right. or education basically because that was the only way for her to get an opportunity. No one would hire her for sort of lower level positions because of her experience. Um, and this actually weirdly happens in North America as well. People talk about how, you know, they're trying to get a, a job at like a footlocker and they're like, but you have a university degree. And they're like, yeah, but I cannot find a job. <laughs> um, so they find out that she has this experience that she's won awards for marketing And she basically has to get let go. Um, And there's a lot of growth in this sort of, uh, when did I, I guess I started on episode 11. I I ended at episode 10, episode 11. There's a lot of, and you've seen it, the start of it, there's a lot of growth of the characters in this this last series of episodes. So... um, you find out more about Umho and him um, taking care of this very famous writer. You don't know what the writer has. You just know he's very sick. Um, you know, Denny talks to the other male lead who he, she actually had good chemistry with. Mm. Um, and at first I was like, ugh, it's that thing again where <laughs> the guy who she's not supposed to end up with, you know, she's got – better chemistry with but actually they did a good job of building the chemistry between her and the main lead and the other lead who is um uh ji shoujun i think that's how you say it um who's like a freelance book designer she they have a really grown-up conversation where they like go for udon which is the best way to like break up with anybody (laughs) and and it's like you might as well feed them right It it might as well be udon um says I don't think this is going anywhere, and I think this should stop now at us being friends who talk about books who go for Udon. Like, I, you know, you were working on the book, and we haven't really talked in two weeks, but that didn't really matter to you, did it? Like, it wasn't, she's basically saying, like, sure, we care about each other, and we have a good time when we're together, but we're not in love. And then after that, she sort of goes more into the relationship with um, Unho. And he gets more like expressive about his love for her. And it actually is just ridiculously adorable. It's ridiculous. Stupid ridiculous. <laughs> um, like they're just like so cute. 
and it just gives you the warm fuzzies. So That's all. you would you would have seen the scene then. I think it would have happened in this batch of episodes where Danny and the VPs get drunk. The boss boss who like oh. left her man at the altar and that was before that was actually, Oh, that was in the earlier. That was that early. Damn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she, she reprises it like, because the, um, the woman who is like, seems cold hearted. Yes. Um, two things happen. One, she comes face to face with the man she left at the altar. He's like a delivery man. Right. And she, and that kind of is a moment for her because she'd sort of been hanging on to him and she finds out that he's, she lies about being married because he asks. And of course she's scared to admit that she isn't. Um, and he says he's married and basically he has three kids. Um, and she's like, okay. And I think for her, like she, she cries it out. Like they show her just like bawling and like ripping up their, their pre-wedding photos. And I think it's a moment, it's a turning point for her because from there, she sort of starts to kind of hit on the chief of the company, the head of the company. Um, Like she gets him to sew a button on her blouse, which is like the weirdest, most sexually charged (laughs) moment in the whole show. But she's she's just like sewing a button on for her, um, which is also very funny. Because she doesn't know how to sew a button because she's a professional woman and he's a single father of three or two kids. So he's like, yeah, I do it all the time. But it's like very sexually charged. It's very funny. Um, There were like some real laugh out loud moments um, in this series, like this group. Um, And there were very funny moments before. I like the funny moments that are a little more subtle, whereas um, it's, a, I guess, a Korean drama trope where you have very outrageous characters. (laughs) <laughs> but even the outrageous character, um, I can't remember her name, but it's the two who started with Danny. Um, it's the spoiled, the, the spoiled rich girl who doesn't want to do the arranged marriage. And, uh, yeah. And the other dude, yeah, he was just, he worked at like a quickie mart before he got in there. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And the spoiled rich girl actually starts trying and like starts to really work and it's amazing. It's it's a real character development, and it's great for this like other character to have it. Um, like this, I'm like this tertiary character to sort of have this development. All the characters, um, all the supporting characters, get an arc. Yeah, and like the the friend of Danny's, she's one of the founding members, not the one of the other drunk women <laughs> um, oh yeah the and, tragic story of her divorce over the last the back half of the episodes yeah and and you know there's real talk about how her husband loves her but she's like i i'm not in love with you anymore like i don't want to try and do this and she says she's seeing somebody and i think she really is like someone says at one point like oh she's just saying that but i think she actually really is seeing someone so i think that's going to come to a head in the last two episodes um Gosh, there's so many moments that were really good. Um, the secondary female character, mm-hmm. um, she gets super, super drunk oh, and so has cute. cucumber, which she's allergic to, and makes her, like, pass out. And the the book designer, they're, like, drinking together. He, like, calls uh, Unho and is just like, you need to pick her up. <laughs> she is sloppy as fuck. And they end up having to go to the book publisher's house. And it was a really great moment where the 
her basically her boss and Ho is like, I'm not leaving her in a strange man's house. I'm sleeping here. And he's like, what? And he's like, yep, wash up. And he, like, passed the bed beside, beside him. <laughs> I remember, and they up, I remember like, that. Waking up cuddling. And it was just, like, a really subtle, funny moment, but it actually made me laugh out loud. He was like, what? This is my house. Um, so, yeah, there was tons of bits that were great. Um, there were, you know, Danny started working at this smaller publisher. And right. it's the difference. Not the size is the problem, but the difference between people who really love books and want to do their very best job and people who are like, Oh no, it's fine. They like try and cut corners. They don't pay people. Mm. It's just really interesting. Look at that. Um, so yeah, they have this really interesting balance of like serious and drama and also humor and romance. And it kind of gives you all the, there's a bit of a mystery involved. Like there's just a lot of different parts and I'm so excited to watch the next two episodes. It's going to be a good Sunday. Um, <laughs> but I'm also going to really miss the characters because you do grow to like love them as a family and and hope certain people get together with certain people and all of that. So yeah. yeah it was real tough That's to let them go, if I recall. I did not. Sorry. It was real tough to let them go, if I recall. Wasn't, yeah. Wasn't super. Um, wasn't super happy to see them go. And I and I know that they don't do this often or ever with Korean dramas. Like once they're done, they're sort of done. Yeah. But I'm like, can we get a second season? <laughs> Netflix. Like, can we just like, I don't know what they would do, but can we or get like a special? Can we get a Christmas special? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, anyways, but yeah, it was a great watch, and I'd forgotten how much I liked the show and how much I liked the characters, and how much they did a really good job of showing um, characters and where they, you know, you think a character's confident, but where maybe they're not confident or they show a different side of a character. They're not one dimensional at all. Um, And yeah. uh, And even so things like, so basically there is a disagreement about whether they can, publish a, a book of poetry and make any money off of it because right. poetry doesn't sell very well and there's a reality to that right um and so they have a founders meeting where what they used to do in the old days was they would vote on whether to publish something and you don't think that the book's going to get published well you kind of know that it is but the, just the excitement of them publishing the the book of poetry against the wishes of, like, the chief. He's like, are you people nuts? (laughs) But they all really like the book of poetry. It's really pretty and very, they talk about, like, it being, like, a very soothing read. Yeah, it's just a really, the interesting snapshots of the industry, I don't know how real they are for, you know, Korean publishing. Um, It definitely puts a little bit of, like, glitz and glam on it, which they do for all, all industries that they show in a, in a, I guess a romance or a drama or whatever, they always have a little bit more glitz and glam, like Alec McBeal. Um, but that's okay. And I love books and publishing and it's just really interesting and fascinating. Um, and I, like I said, missed the show, missed the characters, going to be really missing them once the show is done. And it's almost the way I feel about pasta. Like I kind of don't want to keep on watching it because I don't want it to end. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, if you have suggestions for other Korean dramas, Please let me know. 
we obviously have very specific tastes for Korean dramas, so I mean, yeah, bear that in mind. But yes, no uh, amendment yeah. to your kick punch score. No, I'm probably if I don't even know what it was. I'm guessing it was like a ten. It might have been a nine, but if it was a nine, it's a ten. If it was an eight, it's a nine. <laughs> um, it's I, like it's just really good. The only parts that I'm kind of like, can we? I just, I want her to mention her daughter a little bit more yes. or like talk to her on the phone or just even say like, Oh, I have to talk to my daughter. Um, and the other thing is the ridiculous characters. Sometimes it's just like an anime, right? Like you have that character who's like whining or screaming or crying. And I'm like, Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that's my only criticism, but that's a very, like, I think a, a, a humor thing that doesn't translate very well mm-hmm. um so yeah but other than that it's amazing watch very sitting on your netflix right now you probably didn't even know you probably, probably don't forgot but that's where that's at well yeah good yeah. chats kate excellent so i think that's about beefier the point than i thought it was gonna be <laughs> a little beefier not too bad not too bad Friends, next week uh, we will be revisiting a Watcharama selection from previous years of August Watcharama, and then uh, rounding out Opportune June will be audience pick. Yeah, punish us, reward us. Is there something you want to see us go back to? You can make that choice for us, and you can let us know via most of your social medias, primarily Twitter at GeekdownPod, or on the Facebook, or send us an email, or a pigeon, or I don't know, just use Twitter. Just use Twitter. Uh, And I believe that will just about wrap up another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Friends, stay sane, stay safe. Don't be stupid as you expand your social circle. Yeah, don't do it. Act like you have a brain, please. That would make both of us very happy. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And we hope you will join us next week for another fantastic episode of Geek Down Podcast. Hold on. He's wigging out about pigeons again, Kate. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a fucking broom handle. He's out there swinging it. Oh, he's so mad. He's got such a resting bastard face. Or he's legit just that mad. (laughs)